Now, the title track of this album represents everything about what makes it so great. Every outlandish element from the previous song is doubled as new instruments now join the foray. Trumpet solos and singing saws dominate the soundscape of the song, while Mangnum's powerful voice and amplified acoustic guitar float atop the cacophony below. Singing about how beautiful life is and how many beautiful dreams he can see singing and surrounding him, as he is also happily accompanied by a ghostly specter of a girl, which we'll get to later. As the song draws to a close, Mangum sits back quietly and ponders with the listener, as both are lost in the dreamlike state of the instrumentals. As the song fades away, leaving a sense of longing and confusion, similar to how you feel waking from a dream you can no longer remember, but you can still feel. Two-Headed Boy follows a bizarre fable of a two-headed child growing from life in a lab to attempting to live a normal life, despite how drastically different he is from those around him. Told from a third-person perspective, Mangnum sings solemnly about this boy, telling him that the world you need is wrapped in gold-silver sleeves. Mangnum's emotions shine through here as our dreamlike escapade hits a very sad note that has lost the horns in singing saw from before, and ends with Mangnum quietly telling his two-headed boy that all you did will wait until the point when you go. As the song leads directly into The Fool. The Fool is an instrumental track inspired by funeral marches Magnum and his band experienced in New Orleans. Here we see the return of the horn section, as the blaring instruments bring about feelings of mourning and a grandiose acceptance of death, continuing the feelings of sadness presented in Two-Headed Boy. As the horns cut out and distant sleigh bells can be heard in the background, a loud and aggressive guitar riff suddenly begins as one of the album's most well-known and key tracks, Holland 1945, jumpstarts to life with an aggressive guitar, very similar to the one presented in The King of Carrot Flowers Part 3. The track describes a tarnished Holland during World War II and in the aftermath, and Magnum singing his heart out about how Again, more on this later. The horns triumphantly ring through the simultaneously dreamlike and depressive song, describing life in war and mourning of Mangum's love, and how it's sad to him that the world would rather see flies on their face rather than flowers in their eyes. Realism and sadness very slowly start to trickle back into Mangum's fantasy, as the song provides an upbeat instrumentation, but lyrics drowning in despair and confusing and very dark images.
With the sound of a distant train, suddenly everything fades away with the acoustic guitar, as the track Communist Daughter suddenly begins on a quiet and understated note. As the previous positive and wondrous instrumentals dip downwards, as Mangum describes the beautiful figure of a communist daughter walking across seaweed-laden water, as snow on hills in the background are described as semen-staining mountaintops. A very bizarre choice lyrically, and one representative of reality and its dark undertones seeping back into our escapism and the dream. The song, only about a minute and 40 seconds, suddenly shifts to the album's longest track, O Comely. Here, lyrically, Magnum's despair and fantasy become one, as O Comely paints a morbidly descriptive song about a lost love and his desire to fix all of the problems they face, from freezing and folding together, and describes powerful pistons as sugary sweet machines. As the song ends on a desperate request to Mangum's love, to unite with him so they may live as one. This song, funny enough, actually ends with a fellow member of the band exclaiming holy shit in the background in awe of how good the track was. Ghost introduces the final act of the album, with a confident blend of everything we've experienced so far. An optimistic riff introduces the song, as distorted guitars and horns create a soliloquy that seems to finally bridge the worlds of fantasy and reality that have been bouncing back and forth as separate entities this entire time. Magnum sings again about a lost love whose ghost lives on in him, as he can feel her fly and live on each day in the actions he carries out. A truly beautiful piece of music that both lyrically and instrumentally takes every element of what we've experienced so far and combines it into a building crescendo that culminates in the album's penultimate track, simply called Untitled. Everything this album has been building towards reaches an epic climax, as this two-minute track combines bagpipes, overloaded guitar, singing saw, horn sections, and whimsical chimes and synth into a beautiful experience that can barely be described by words. With its final bravado stated, the album enters its final reprise and ultimate resolution in Two-Headed Boy Part 2. Here, the dream is gone. Realism has seeped its way back into Mangum's lyric and instrumentation, as Mangum gives one final and painful cry. Daddy, with Magnum crying out to both his father and his brother in an extremely emotionally painful way. Ultimately, the album draws to a close with one final.
as Magnum picks up his guitar, sighs, and walks away. And that was in the aeroplane over the sea. On the surface, a journey from escapism, deep into the emotional world of surrealism, and ultimate re-emergence back into the real world. Listening to the first time, it can seem very bizarre and almost Seussian. However, it's beautifully poetic and an album that I cannot recommend. If you have not heard, you go listen to it immediately. But what's going on behind the curtain? What did it all mean? Lyrically, and within the second degree, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea is a piece on love within a harsh and often unforgiving world. Its lyrics throughout constantly hit at an underlying love and passion, but it is so often buried or overcome by other lyrics that represent a borderline gothic reality. Some have called the album a musical interpretation of a dream, stating King of Carrot Flowers to be the process of falling asleep, the title track being the start of a dream, and Untitled and Two-Headed Boy Part 2 being the painful process of emerging and waking up from a dream that one cannot recall no matter how hard they try. Jeff Mangum refuses to give a solid answer on the main themes of this album, but critics everywhere, including myself, describe it to be one of using love as a means to find purpose in a world full of grit, war, and violence. Two-Headed Boy has been described by many as autobiographical, as Mangum sees not only himself, but also his father as odd men out and two-headed boys in the world. Mangum also throughout appears to sing both to and about himself and family, but also describes some other mysterious force. Again, symbolic of lovers and partners and sources of validation, and how they often, throughout our journeys in life, disappear and vanish due to reemergence of our pasts, and as we are haunted by our often traumatic memories, calling back to the emotional pain of songs such as Two-Headed Boy and King of Carrot Flowers. The album's brightest parts shine when Mangum is reflecting on love and the future, and life in the future. However, reflective of both reality and relationships, its darkest moments are spent indulging the past, both the history of the world and the history of Mangum, and his personal shortcomings and painful memories of his childhood. Taking a step out towards the third degree, Mangum's constant allusions to a female specter in World War II are no coincidence either. This album, as some may know, was largely inspired by Mangum's frequent sleepwalkings and narcoleptic dreams that often dominated entire days of his. These dreams were largely influenced by his then in-depth reading and analysis of the diary of Anne Frank. During his dreams, Mangum claimed to have seen and communicated with Anne and the Frank family, and upon reading further into the novel, was deeply saddened and shocked for days how the world could treat their fellow man in such a horrendous way. The quote, only girl he ever loved in Holland 1945 is none other than the ghostly figure of Anne Frank, as Magnum sings not about infatuation, but almost brotherly love that he shows for Anne and the Frank family. And the ghost described in both the title track and the aptly named track, Ghost, both are descriptions of a spiritual vision of Anne Frank and Magnum's desire to go back in time and stop the world from crushing such a beautiful soul. This is most evident in Holland's 1945, during Magnum's final lines describing how sad it is that the world would rather see her eyes filled with flies rather than beautiful white flowers. These final details string together a masterful album spanning psych folk, psych rock, folk, jazz, and alternative and lo-fi elements that describes both historical and modern loss, the trauma of recollecting past memories, 
and the desire to escape into dreams and fantasy in order to avoid and fight the harsh reality of the past and what has been done. Upon its release, the album was widely regarded as one of the sleeper hits of the 90s and received general good ratings from critics across the board. It was only after the band broke up with no explanation and Magnum stopped responding to fans due to pressure that the album and its mysterious and unexplained lyrics grew to cult-like status, where the album today has been widely regarded as the greatest indie rock album of all time, stating that Neutral Milk Hotel was as influential in the genres it tackled as the Beatles were in their time, and how Magnum and his songwriting were as emotionally and poetically beautiful as music could possibly get. So, what can we take away from all this? Taking a look at this in the fourth degree, that is purely conversational between you and me, I think the biggest takeaway personally from this album are its surrealist and dreamlike descriptors of what can be described as basic life. Magnum's designs and lyrics are often more than intentional, and my biggest interpretation, canon or not, is that dreams and escapism are a good and almost necessary state we must find ourselves in, in order to battle the grays and doom of the harsh reality that is our world today. The way this album romanticizes death and spirituality is not meant to bring about gloom. It is meant to bring about in the listener a sense of hopefulness and strength against what are usually described as dark and looming figures in day-to-day -day life. And only with this newfound strength and idealized view of the world can we make it a reality. Like Magnum, we are all two-headed boys, looking for purpose and looking for love in the world. And it is a dark world that takes those who are unique and beautiful souls, like Anne Frank, and does horribly tragic and irreversibly horrendous things to them. And just like Two-Headed Boy Part 2 demonstrates, our dream clearly cannot last forever. We have to wake up at some point. But as the final line of the song resonates, Two-headed boy, she is all you could need, but don't hate her when she gets up to leave. We cannot let our selfish intentions, personal trauma, and greed destroy the love and connection that is the only thing that can make our ideals and our dreams reality. As we wander through this life searching for a purpose, look to those around you, form connections, and let unselfish love guide you through life, until eventually, our ashes will all peacefully fly together from an aeroplane over the sea. And with that, I believe this episode has drawn to a close. Keep in mind that interpretation is key here, and if you disagree with my opinions, you may reach out to me and express any complaints or other interpretations. Thank you for listening to The Fourth Degree, and I wish you all the best. Until next time.